Hey, and welcome to the 12 Stone Church Podcast. Thank you so much for taking time to be a part of today's message. We hope it inspires you, encourages you, and deepens your faith in Jesus. Enjoy the message. (laughs) I don't blame those kids at all. Those kids put $20 in the counseling jar for their future, because that's the worst Easter ever. I, I got good news for you, church. We have one of those bunnies at every campus for your kids to enjoy, get the phones ready. I would recommend a video, not a picture, because it's going to end. I'm just kidding. We don't, we don't have those bunnies at the campuses. Well, welcome. Welcome to Easter. Welcome to 12 Stone. We're so glad that you're with us today. And let me just let me just give you the lead story off the top. We're here because we're celebrating a risen Christ. That there's a God who loves us enough to send his son Jesus. And the hope that that brings, that there is a hope beyond this life. That there is a God who has enough compassion for us. The compassion of God. Think about that. While we were yet sinners, God sent Jesus. And that compassion that sits in in the story of Easter and the good news of today is, is what really compels us as a church as well, that our role is to reflect the same compassion God has for us to the world. And if you were around at Christmas, that's why partly why we, we received a Christmas offering where we said, listen, all the money that we collect, we're going to give away in the community around us. And we, we told you that we were going to get 30 cars for single moms. We were going to, we were going to get 10,000 pajamas for the foster care kids all around the country. That, that we were going to feed uh, three to 4,000 students that were food insecure, which means they didn't know where their next meal was coming from. And we said that was going to cost around a half million dollars. And we were praying and saying, let's give sacrificially towards it. Well, y'all went crazy, and we received over a million dollars. So we had a really good problem to figure out. We, we committed to give this money away in the community, and we have to now change the scope. Like, God, what would you have us do? And we've been in conversation with the school systems in this territory, in Gwinnett County, and our partners in Hall and Jackson County. We've been saying, how can we serve? And here's what we discovered, that June 30th this summer, The CARES Act money runs up, which was feeding some of these kids in the food insecurity sort of crisis. And so from June 30th until school returns in August, that same three or 4,000 students that are food insecure are going to have the same issues. They don't know where their meals are coming from in July. And so we've been in conversation in partnership with the schools. And here's what we're going to do, church. Because of your generosity, we get a chance to make sure those three or 4,000 students are fed through the whole month of July. Call it a half million dollar investment. And that's already been received by your generosity in the Christmas offering. Thank you so much. You're such a generous church. And our prayer is this. It's not just that we're giving food. Our prayer is that we would give hope that there's a God who sees you. Even when, you, when you're struggling through a season of life, there's a God who loves you and sees you and wants to rescue you from the places you are. In fact, that is the nature of Easter. And so today, before our senior pastor, Pastor Kevin Meyer, steps up, I want to invite you into the actual story of Easter. Enjoy. In the beginning, when the world was as we dream it ought to be, God, the creator of all things, walked among us. But humans in their hearts and deeds rejected their creator 
and walked with him no longer. Much later, a teacher rose up in Jerusalem. His name was Jesus of Nazareth. He taught people to love their neighbors and their enemies, to live righteously and to be humble, to trust God as if he were their father and to never worry. He embraced social outcasts and challenged religious dogma. But most importantly, he told us he was God, the same creator from the beginning, walking on earth once again. This put him in conflict with religious authorities. During the national holiday of Passover, they conspired with a follower of Jesus's to betray him. They confronted Jesus to forcefully arrest him, but he went with them willingly. They brought him before the Roman governor, Pilate. They demanded an execution with accusations of leading a revolt. Pilate conceded and sentenced Jesus to death. Roman officers blindfolded and beat him. They shoved a crown made of thorns on his head and draped fabric on him to mock a kingly robe. They nailed him to the Romans' most cruel instrument of suffering, a cross. While he slowly died, Jesus asked his best friend to take care of his mother and prayed for God to forgive those who crucified him. They don't know what they're doing, he said. Forsaken by God, Jesus died alone, taking on himself the punishment humanity deserved for generations of rebellion. His body was then placed in a tomb carved out of a hillside. When his followers came back three days later, they found only an angel proclaiming, he is risen. Death itself was subject to King Jesus. Now, not only could humanity be free of their debt, of their rebellion, but also are reunited with God forever. Easter, as profound as it is, was only the first glimmer of God's inevitable return to earth where all wrongs will be undone, where all the painful things will be untrue, where we will walk with him again. And the world as we have longed for it to be, will be. So church, we celebrate the almighty Jesus. We celebrate Easter. No one, no one like him. See, Easter is all at the same time, the highest of highs and the lowest of lows, all at the same time. It's a little bit like uh, Super Bowl Sunday. Both teams come in. Oh, we're going to win. Everybody's absolutely positive, convinced we're going to win. And then, of course, by the end of Super Bowl Sunday, and one team is loser team, loser locker room. And nobody wants to be the journalist in that room. It is the lowest of lows. And in the other room, you got the winners, you got the winning team. They're, they're in the winning locker room. And it's the highest of highs all at the same time. See, Easter is declaring the eternal high of heaven. And all at the same time, the eternal low of hell. It's the eternal high of heaven. Meaning Jesus made it possible for us to be restored to God. 
and that we have literally the opportunity to be his sons and daughters anew and have the hope of heaven. He's with us now and forever. So that's why the single most important decision you ever make in your life is what do you do with the invitation of Jesus on Easter? It's the highest of highs. It's also the lowest of lows. Because you can say, no, thank you. You can reject Jesus. You can walk away. You can condemn yourself. And you can spend eternity without him. And you have a role to play in this. Highest of highs, lowest of lows. And there's, there's confusion at Easter when Jesus made it so clear. Even present culture, we, we rewrite Easter. And so sometimes you kind of need to pause and remember how we tend to rewrite it when it was so clear. Here's ways we tend to rewrite it. Some say God condemns people. Well, that's false. We condemn ourselves. Oh, some say God condones sin. Well, that's false. Jesus died to forgive our sin, not to celebrate it. And some say there's no heaven. That's false. Jesus promises heaven to all who will return home through him. All who believe and receive. Oh, some say there's no hell. That's false. Jesus describes hell as the default destiny of all who reject him. In essence, when you tell God to leave you alone, he does forever. Some say you can come to God on your own terms. It's false. God is your almighty creator. You come on his terms in surrender through Jesus. And Jesus becomes your savior and Lord. Your savior and Lord. Say it with me. You're what? Savior and Lord. And there's not only confusion about Christ and Easter in modern day. There was back in the day. There were what would be called common sinners uh, who were confused about who, who is Jesus. And there were religious leaders who were confused. And in the midst of that, Jesus stepped up at one moment in Luke chapter 15. And he told a story. And in this story, it was a forerunner, a foreshadowing, a telling of Easter. It was to explain Easter that had yet to happen. And there would be three things that are true in this story, true about Easter. So if you're confused at all about Easter or Jesus, knowing that this is the highest of highs or the lowest of lows, Three things you should know. Let me put them on the screen. Maybe you want to jot these down wherever you are, wherever you're gathered across the campuses, 12 Stone Home Online, maybe snap a picture. We'll go through them one at a time, but you got to get these three. Three things that are true about Easter. When you write God out of your story, you get lost. Listen, when you write God out of your story, you get what, everybody? Lost. Second, you are never so lost that you can't come home. It's really good news. You're never so lost that you can't come home. But it gets better. You can be restored to God, but you can't earn your way back. So Jesus tells a story in Luke chapter 15. And today I want us to take the time to read the whole story. At least a whole section of it. We can't get into the older brother and some other elements in it, but, but enough. And I want you to stay with me in the story. So I'm going to put it on the screen and you just follow along. If you've heard the story again, then this will be a refresh. If you've never heard us, then, li then listen to what Jesus is telling you. And you'll see these three elements in the story. So follow along. There was a man who had two sons, Jesus said. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. Now pause, just so you know. 
What he was literally saying is, I'd like my inheritance before you die. And of course, you don't get an inheritance until the father dies, which means I wish you were dead. So what he was literally saying is, hey, dad, wish you were dead. So really feel good story. So the young one said to his father, father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all that he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. Kind of went his own way. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. And when he came to his senses, when he came to his senses, when he, what? Came to his senses. Meaning, just admit, I have lost and I am lost. He said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will sit out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and he went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion, was filled with compassion. By the way, as you hear this story, God is the heavenly father in the story. We are the younger son. So when it says, the father was filled with compassion. This is God toward you. So the father saw him and was filled with compassion. He ran to his son. He threw his arms around him and he kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. That's the disposition when you know that you've messed up and you've blown up your life and you've gotten lost and you broke off the relationship. But the father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fatted calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. Why? Huh, look, for this son of mine was dead. And is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. See, Jesus is clarifying Easter, no confusion here. The three things you need to know, here's the first. Let's go right back to it and unpack it. When you write God out of your story, you get lost. When you write God out of your story, you get what, everybody? Lost. See, the story begins with a father who loves his son. Wants so much good for his son. He's provided for him. He's protected him. And the son twists the truth of his father's love. And he takes what was great freedom and protection. And he starts to call it limiting and imprisoning and oppressive. It's kind of what happened in the Garden of Eden when Adam and Eve said to God, I'm not sure we can trust your goodness. After giving them life and breath and relationship and all good things, and he said, you can enjoy all the trees, all that's in the garden. If you have freedom with all things except this one. And they twisted that and they pretended like God was limiting them and that relationship was oppressive. And so they just come on to go find themselves. Get freed up. Live your own way. Make your own decisions. We don't need the oppression of the Father. And here's the thing, Jesus is saying in the story, you can write God out of your story. You can. 
But when you do, you'll get lost. You won't find yourself, you'll lose yourself. So you can't find yourself by denying your origins, by denying your identity, and by denying your heavenly father. This is not how you find yourself. And this story, it's not just a 2,000-year-old story. It's a present-day story. It's our story. I want to introduce you to Charles. This one of many stories. Charles had something of a, a childhood faith around seventh grade-ish and probably sincere then, but it did translate into the adult world as soon as you get into adult world with adult pressures. And so God was written out of his story by the time he gets to UGA and college life and then eventually got lost. He's going to share his story with us today. Now, present day, he's a follower of Christ, part of 12 Stone. He's, he's at the Jackson County campus. He's married to Rocky. He has a couple of kids, four-year-old, three-year-old. But he's courageous enough to humbly tell his journey. And we should listen in because it is the story, like all of us, of a lost son. Listen in. I went through a lot of different phases growing up, um, from the Jinko pants to the cargo shorts to the flip hair. Um, I was just trying to fit in. There was a lot of mental and physical abuse at home. There was. Um, my dad was going through his own addictions and was struggling himself, and he actually spent a little bit of time in jail. But inside, I was just, I was broken. I didn't know, I didn't know who I was. I didn't. Went to University of Georgia, go dogs, and toward my senior year, uh, I went to Mellow Mushroom, and there was a girl. We met for a date. I don't even think I had makeup on. I was in sweatpants. I think it took a few months for me to be like, okay, I love this guy. I knew she was it, man. I mean, she, she, she was it. It was toward the tail end of my, my college, my college career where my dad started coming around um, and, you know, really to, to mend things. And he introduced me to online gambling. Uh, I had, had ADD pretty bad and ended up getting prescribed to Adderall. So you connect Adderall and gambling, just a, a recipe for disaster. It, when it got to the point where it was so bad, right, it was affecting who I was at work, who I was in, in my relationships. Quite frankly, I was blaming a lot of my childhood trauma on the, the reason why I was acting the way I was to her, right? Because there were moments of anger and frustration and where she wanted something that I couldn't give. And it was because I was hiding this whole, this whole other Charles. I found out that he had an addiction to gambling, which at the time, that didn't make sense to me. You know, gambling was a hobby. How can you be addicted to it? I didn't know anything about it. My initial reaction was anger and frustration. How dare you? We paused the wedding and we pushed it back. And ultimately she took her ring off and said, you know, you need to go get fixed. You, you need to go get some help. So he went to rehab. Now, let me just say, I respect don't you, the courage 
First of all, Charles to just step up and share a story openly with all of us and say, man, here is where I have been and here's what I've walked through. And when he says inside, I was broken. I didn't know who I was. See, that is the truth. When you go off on your own and you write God out of your story, instead of being found, the lostness expands. It deepens, it widens, and you find ways to escape and ways to, to try and solve that, that battle of this other person it feels like that is in you, and it's done in hiding, and, and nobody really knows what's going on, and perhaps we should take note, just, just for a moment. You know, he had this uh, sincere uh, experience of faith as a child, but it, once, once you enter into the adult world, with adult pressures and adult problems and adult anxieties and adult demands. When you take a, a, a childhood faith and it remains childish and it never grows up into the adult world, then that Jesus won't hold up under real adult pressure. So it's no wonder that many of us walk away from Jesus when we move into adulthood because if you don't let Jesus grow up into who he really is with you and you leave him as a childish Jesus who is kind of a fantasy Jesus and the Jesus who serves you instead of discovering the true blue real Jesus you're going to walk away in fact I wonder if sometimes a lot of the deconstruction of Christianity in modern day is nothing more than the exposure that we believed in a Jesus who was just a fantasy Jesus when we were children and we never grew him up into the Jesus he really is the almighty God who created us and rose from the dead and so we all got a journey to go on and Charles is on that journey so no wonder in the course of that journey, he got lost. See, what Jesus is saying in this story is, you can get lost. Maybe that's true of you. So the son got lost in self-indulgence, self-absorbed. When he lost all that he had and all the finances and all the money, he lost all his friends because they were as lost as he was. And then he became in need, and now he's feeding pigs, and he realizes, wow, I'm lost. And you think that's the worst place, but maybe that's the only place you can wake up and come to your senses because that's the second thing that is good news. You are never so lost that you can't come home. Just sit in that for a moment because the evil one has whispered to many of us and told us you are so messed up and you have so messed up that there's no way for you to get back. Oh, others could make it back to God, but not you. You, can, you will never come back to the Father. And so Jesus is telling us the story. You're never so lost that you can't come home. And the son came to his senses. That's just the great part of the story. He came to his senses. He came to his what? Senses. Somebody, I, I have lost. I am lost. In other words, here's what it means to come to your senses. To quit pretending you're not lost. But just quit pretending. Just quit pretending, making it look like you're living better on the outside than you really are on the inside. Quit hiding. Quit living in the secrets of this different you with secret sins that are undoing and destroying your life and unraveling the good that God would have for you. Quit, quit pretending you're God. Quit, quit hiding and confess and come home. All that. That's what it means to come to your senses. Yeah, just quit pretending. When, if we had time, when Jesus told his stories in Luke chapter 15, he actually told three stories in one sequence. He told the story of a lost coin. He told the story of a lost sheep. 
And then he told this story of the lost son that we're sitting in. In all three cases, Jesus is saying the same thing. He's explained to his culture that, that things, animals, people get lost. And he's explaining the condition of this lostness. And to understand the complexity of it. First of all, things get lost. But, but do they really? Do things really get lost like a coin? She had one of ten coins. She lost one. She had to go find it. And it was tenth of her value. And so if you understood back in the day, that'd be a big deal. But have you ever lost something? Oh, I've lost. Have you ever like lost your glasses? Just stay with me for a minute. How many of you have ever misplaced, lost either your reading glasses, your regular glasses, or your sunglasses, and do what I did not so long ago. I was looking for my sunglasses. I said, Marsha, where are my glasses? I looked in the kitchen. I like, do you all know where they are? Where are they? They're right. How many of you have ever done this? Yeah, of course you have. Look around. You're not as dumb as you think. I mean, you might be, but I don't know. That's not the ration. That's not the reason you are. There's other reasons. In fact, the, the couple days ago, it was so much fun. Uh, Marsha, uh, she, she was looking for an iPhone. And if you have difficulty finding your phone, like you put it down, where did I put it down? It's not like it has legs. It doesn't go anywhere. It's where you left it. But she has the, the iPhone, and she pushes the button, and it pings it. Did anybody have that? And it pings her phone. So she starts looking, and it's pinging, and she can hear it. So she's walking around the kitchen, and she's pinging it. And she goes, everywhere she goes, she keeps hearing the ping. And Jane, who just came home from college for Easter, said, Mom, is it in your pocket? And she goes, I found it. We can go now. It was in her pocket the whole time. In other words, listen, what Jesus is telling us is that things don't have legs. They're not trying to get lost. You just misplace them. But like a sheep, it has legs. And it doesn't want to get lost, and it wants to get found. But people, we have legs, and we want to get lost. And so the complexity of restoring and finding a lost person, a lost soul, is really hard. Because sometimes we want to stay lost. We hide in our pride. See, the father couldn't restore the son because the son didn't want to come home. Some of us listening right now are so spiritually lost, pretending we live better than we really do. And God himself cannot help you if you will not come to your senses. You got to quit pretending, quit hiding, which takes us to the second part of Charles' story. His sister gave him a book, Purpose Driven Life. It was designed to help stir a little bit of faith when he went to rehab. I'll let Charles pick up his story. The Purpose Driven Life was a book that my sister gave to me as a graduation gift. I remember uh, Rocky threw it in my bag before I left. The first week I didn't pick it up, right? You know, I was like, I don't need God. Quickly I found that, you know what, maybe, maybe I'll try this God thing out. This is... This feels a little uncomfortable and a little weird, right? You know, I'm praying to someone and talking to someone that I don't really know. Um, you know, I'm going to try it. So before I know it, I'm reading scripture and reading this, this purpose of life to other people, right? Word spreads. Before I left rehab, every morning at 6 a.m. before we would go to class, I'm sitting there ministering to a group of about 15 people. But he came back from rehab. Things were great. We ended up getting married. I trusted him. You know, he vowed to never gamble again. You know, my naive mind thought, well, he's telling the truth because, you know, he went to rehab. He got help. He got 
his past figured out. You know, li life is going good. We, you know, we, we have Macy May, beautiful little girl, and, you know, li life, life is good. Life is good. Then we want to do some renovations on the house. Work stressful. Um, there's still some broken things with my parents that I'm still struggling with. I was focused on the renovations um, and really just focused on trying to, once again, please everyone around me. And I relapsed. It's like I was having to start all over again. And, you know, so at first I felt like I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fix this on my own. I'm going to hide it. Right? I'm, I'm going to hide it from her, you know, act like it never did happen. And so I, it's like I was good for like a week or two, right? And then I, then I did it again, right? She's like, hey, well, she doesn't know. I did good at hiding it, so let me fill this void by, by acting out again and gambling again. Going through the renovations, I, I lived in the pool house while she lived at, and with, her, with her parents. I had time away from her at night to gamble, right? And that was my outlet. And so there were a lot of nights I stayed up all night because I was strung out on, on Adderall, right? I did, there was a lot of sleepless nights. Renovations get done, Charlie comes. She's telling me what a great husband I am. But meanwhile, like I know inside I'm hiding from her. I'm letting her down, man, you know? And it was just killing me. It was just, um, uh, and it wasn't up until um, Charlie was uh, three months old, and I'm sitting there holding him, rocking him, and uh, I felt nothing. You know, I felt um, I felt lonely. Here you are once again, hiding from someone who loves you so much, and here you are holding the blessing that God gave you. You have a family and friends around there that love you. You have a God that loves you. Like, what are you doing, man? You know, wake up, wake up. That's when I, I made the hard choice to, to confess. I had two babies and my focus was being a mom. And so um, he came to me the last time and because he came to me, it was such a huge step. I knew that I just had to embrace it. Like I knew he needed help and I knew the fact that he was coming to me that he was sincere. Every time that I would seek God, he again, he met me where I was. There was, there, there was no judgment. There was no, you're not doing this right. You need to confess this. I always felt that in order to go to church and to, you know, to be a Christian, I had to fit in this box and be, be somebody else. But that's not what God wants. Once I realized that, and when every time that I would go to him, again, that, that sense of just, I'm loved, I'm okay. You know, I find that for me, when in my tough times that I've gone through over the three years in sobriety, the times that I, I, I go to God with, with my problems and my life stresses, there's a sense of peace and calmness and just comfort, man, of like, you're my son and you're okay. I'm gonna get you through this. Hang on with me. I can sit in this and be okay because God's got my back. God's got my back. What a great story.
You know, when Charles said to himself, wake up, man. Wake up. What are you doing? At the core of Easter is the love of God saying to you, wake up. What are you doing? You have a God who loves you. You have a path made for wholeness. You have a God that would transform you from the inside out. And so no wonder, no wonder we identify with this story 2,000 years ago that Jesus is telling or with Charles because it is us. We do say like Charles did, I, I don't need God. Remember that right at the first meeting? He said, I don't think I need God. And then I'm going to try God. And then, and then some of us, we do that. We try God and we get kind of religious and, and we do a little bit of church or, or we do a little bit of faith and we do a little bit of good deeds. But really, we haven't locked into a relationship. We haven't surrendered. And then we drift. And there's little evidence. This is, this is how you live life to the full. And we say, oh, I don't need that. When you drift off God's path, do you know how costly it is? Well, this is heavy enough, so we need a smile. So I'll let you see. I just want you to visually see how costly it is to drift. This is a dash cam. Yes, I spent time finding stuff like this because I love you. Here's a dash cam. Watch the truck. The truck in front of the dash cam does just a little drift. How dangerous is it to just drift slightly off the road? Check it out. Are you kidding me? You can't. Can you, can you imagine that phone call? Uh, where's the truck? Uh, what happened? I drifted off the road. Yeah. Where's the truck? Uh, we're going to unpack in the attic first. Like we're just going to that, That's how we're going to solve this. It is so dangerous to drift. That happens to us spiritually. We're like, oh, it's no big deal if I just get slightly off God's road. And then it's a complete wreck. Begging the question, where are you? Adrift. All right, maybe, maybe, maybe your issue isn't gambling as Charles walked through his story, but you have your chosen sin. You have your willfulness telling you there's really good news. You can come to your senses. You're never so far that you cannot come home, but you're going to have to quit pretending you're not lost. You're going to have to quit hiding. You're going to have to confess and come home. And here's where the news gets even better. Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. And when he goes to his father, he discovers something. And here's number three of the teaching. You can be restored to God, but you can't earn your way back. You got to hear this because Easter's not going to make any sense if you don't get this. Easter's not about religion. It's a relationship with God through Jesus. You can, you can, C-A-N, you can, say it with me, you what? Can. You can be restored to God. Thank God that is good news. But hang on, hang on. Where there tends to be confusion is, but you can't earn that. That's not how you're restored to God. You, you got to see this in the story. The son, the son said, give me my inheritance. He was saying, dad, I wish you were dead. Then he took everything and blew up his life, bankrupted himself, 
spent all that his father had entrusted to him, wasted his life, destroyed his moral compass, dishonored his father, wrecked himself. How do you come back from that? Well, the son's answer is, well, I'll be a servant. Father, forgive me, and now I'll be a hired servant. Pay attention. I won't be a son any longer. I'm not worthy of that, but make me a servant. I'll be a servant over here. I'll be a servant. Watch. Even if it was well-intentioned, I'll be a servant as if he could be a servant and eventually earn back his place as a son. A whole bunch of us literally have rewritten the story of Easter, and we pretend that we can earn our way to God. Oh, we've got our sin. We've got our mess of our lives. Yes, we're lost. Yeah, but you know, what? I'm going to do some good things, and my good's going to outweigh my bad, and then eventually I'll get to heaven. It means you don't understand Easter. You don't see that means you don't understand the cost of your sin. You're making your sin just a little bitty issue and put a couple good things over here, it balances it off. You win. The consequences of sin is death. So the only payment for your sin is your death, at which point you're dead. It's over. The low lows here without him and eternally without him. You cannot earn this back. The price is so great. The only way back is for someone to pay that price for you. And the only one who could was Jesus. This is why Easter is the high of highs. Because what Charles discovered, what the story was unfolding, and what Jesus did is made away. So Jesus tells the story. And when the son is a long way off, the father sees him. Because the father longed to be restored to the son. Don't kid yourself. God loves you more than you have ever imagined. You aren't even close to how much God loves you. You aren't earning anything back. He already loves you in the mess of your life. And while we were sinners, Christ died for us. And he's telling the story that the father saw the son a long way off. And he did not stand there in judgment or back up. He hiked up his robe. That was that modern day dress. And he ran to his son. He looked like a fool to everybody else around him. And he said, that's my son. That's not a servant. That's my son. And he embraced his son. His son, God, said, forgive me, Father. I messed up. I've blown up my life. I'll earn it back. Man, you couldn't earn this back if you want to. Don't worry. I'll absorb it for you. I'll take all of your mess. And I'll restore you. And I'll give you a ring. And I'll give you a robe. And I give you your name back. See, Charles was right when he said, and I came to God, and I did not meet God's judgment or condemnation. Thanks be to God. Yeah, church? Thanks be to God. That's how he feels toward you. So when you come to the cross over here, when you come to the cross, this is the work of God to send his son Jesus, who never sinned. And because he never sinned, he never should have died. So that when he died, he died voluntarily. So that his shed blood did not pay for his sin because he never sinned. So therefore, it can be on account for you. And on the cross, he personally carried your sin. So that you could believe on him, receive him, 
be forgiven of your sin and be restored to him. This is where he becomes savior and Lord. It is your only hope. And by the way, that scripture says that all of heaven celebrates when even one when even one, like when one coin is found, they celebrate. When one sheep is found, they celebrate. But when one son or daughter comes home, all of heaven, literally Jesus said, all of heaven celebrates. And listen, we're not celebrating. Heaven isn't celebrating the sinner. They're celebrating the Savior. That God would be so in love with you that he would give you grace. Thank God for the grace of God. When you say yes to Jesus, we're not celebrating your sin. We're celebrating you found the Savior. So literally, this is so personal. You just come to the cross. And I just sign my name, Kevin. Oh, thank God I have been restored. I have Jesus with me here and out and all of heaven. Yay, God. And what does that look like all in one prayer? Let me put it on the screen. It would look like this, something like this. God, my Father in heaven, I confess that I have written you out of my story. I've sinned against you and I'm not worthy to be called your child. I am lost. Please forgive me through the sacrifice of Jesus on Easter. Restore me to yourself. I bow to you as Savior and Lord. Help me follow you in Jesus' name. Amen. There it is. See, a whole lot of us understand Charles' story. Maybe all of us. And today is your moment to finally say yes to Jesus. Maybe you had a childlike faith that never grew up and you wrote God out of your story. It's time to come home. Maybe you've been religious. Maybe you call yourself a Christian. But deep down in your soul, you and God both know you're just trying to earn your way. Maybe you pretend to be spiritual, but you've been adrift. There's no evidence of him in your life. Maybe you've never known. And today's the first time it all makes sense. Well, then come home. So we're going to read this prayer. We're going to all read it together. And this is your moment to say yes. And I want to do something notable. Charles, he's with us today. Would you come up here? Would you welcome Charles uh, who shared his story? <laughs> Charles, thank you for sharing your story. We celebrate your Savior, who is also your Lord. And really cool things happening uh, this next month. Yep. You and Rocky will be being baptized at the yep. Jackson County yep. campus. So that's yep. awesome. That would yep. be great. Yay, God. Yep. And also, also really cool stuff. Yep. Your dad came to faith and was baptized yes, two weeks ago yes, at the Jackson County God. campus. Yep. So, woo! Come on. How yep. good is all that? It's amazing, man. And it just, it seemed right to us in the moment that in the authenticity of your story and how God has transformed you through Jesus that you would lead this prayer for us. Absolutely. So would you all just put your attention, step over here, and we're going to read this prayer now. Wherever you are, online, 12 Stone Home, any of the campuses live right here in the room, I want you to read this prayer with us loud and proud. For some of you, it's an affirmation of your faith. For some of you, this is your prayer. Today will be the day you say yes to Jesus. But we're all going to read it together, loud and proud, before the Lord. So if you would, lead us. God, my, my Father, Father in heaven, heaven. I confess, I confess that, that I have written you out of my story. I have sinned against you and am not worthy to be called your child. I am lost. Please forgive me through the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. For so many as yourself. 
I bow to your Savior, Lord. Help me follow In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. And brother, you have done that very thing, and I want you to lead the way on something. I want you, if you would, just would you sign your name on the cross too? That's Absolutely. personal. And church, we're going to take that moment. It's going to be unique how you'll respond at 12 Stone Homer online community. But at all the campuses live, we're going to have a moment like that right there. In fact, we're going to step into a song that confirms this grace of God. Listen to the words of the song. I run to the Father. I fall into grace. I'm done with the hiding. No reason to wait. My heart needs a surgeon. My soul needs a friend. So I'll run to the Father again and again. Everyone stand with me, would you please? Here and across all the campuses. This is such an amazing moment. All of this God has been leading you toward for all your years and all your life. Get past religion to a relationship. Get past the childhood Jesus that you've walked away from and you wrote God out of your story. Get past the mess of hiding and pretending. Maybe you've never known what Jesus has done for you and this is the day. Maybe men like Charles, you, you kind of look better than you live. You've never said yes to Jesus. And so this is your moment. We're going to join in singing this song. And during this song, I want you to just, if you're one of the campuses live, just step out. They'll, they'll let you walk down the aisle. Just excuse me. They'll let you out. I want you to come forward right here up on the stage. And the pastors will give you directions at your campus, but you just grab the pen and we'll hand you one minute. You come up here and you sign your name. This is you saying yes. The high of highs of heaven restored to God a lost son or daughter coming home. So I'm going to turn the service over to the pastors. They're going to lead you through the moment at the campus. And we're going to have our moment right here. Online community, 12 stone home. We'll give you some deeper direction in just a moment. Right here in the room, this is our moment. You know how much courage it took? I'm not going to puff up Charles, but you know how much courage it took for him to confess to God, confess to his wife that he was hiding. And you don't, you don't have to, you know, it's like, oh, he confessed to her. And so that was now what he did is he broke the pretense. We got so much pretense. We think we're going to fix ourselves to come to God. No, you come to God to get fixed. So wherever you are, if you need to say yes to Jesus, this is your time to finally surrender. Then as we sing the song, they're going to start singing the song. I'm going to stay right here. Michael, Camps Pass going to be with me. Others help. You just come up either side. Come up right on the stage. Just, you just, just make your way during the song. Come right on up. Don't hold back. And you sign your name there. We'll give you a Bible. We'll encourage you in your faith. I know it's 9 o'clock on Easter. Who would not know Jesus at 9 o'clock on Easter? More people than you know. Stand, I don't know if you'll respond, but more than you know. And if one comes, all of heaven does what? Celebrates. So let's begin to sing. Run to the Father. It's on you. Let's go. Don't wait. Run to the Father. This is your moment.
Thank you again for spending time with us today. A special thanks to those of you who generously give through 12 Stone. It is because of you that this ministry is possible. And if you want to learn more about 12 Stone, make sure you follow us on social at 12 Stone Church and check out a location or a watch party near you. And if you enjoyed the podcast, you could subscribe, share it with your friends, hit the share button, or even take a screenshot and throw it in your social stories. And make sure to tag 12 Stone Church. Let it be a blessing to somebody else. Thank you again, and we'll catch you on the next one.